Welcome to Pop Yak, where we yak about pop culture. Time for them news and notes. First up, wrestling news. The AEW Eliminated Tournament is down to the finals, finally. So we got Nyla Rose versus Ryu Mizunami. This match is going to slap. I saw the finals totally different. I predicted Aja Kong versus Nyla Rose to kind of like pass the torch. But this is fine too. This looks like it rocks. And it looks like Aja Kong is on her last legs as far as wrestling. Like she's, she's ready to retire. That's okay with me. But this is going to be cool. It's going to make a star out of Ryo Mizunami. And I hope that Nyla Rose takes it. Honestly, I wouldn't be upset if either one of them made it to become the... I wouldn't mind if either one of them took the title away from the current champion. Because Sheeta, even though she's awesome, they're not really doing anything with her. And they're not really coming up with anything cool to do either. So... If you put the title on somebody else, maybe you can build better stories around them. In other wrestling news, Bob Lashley won the title on Monday Night Raw. He won the WWE title. Good for him, man. He's the third black champion. And if you're like, no, there's only been two black champions. I will not sit here and stand for the Rock Erasure. But yeah, I'm really proud of him. He looks really good with the title. They finally built him up to look like a monster. They stopped him from... They stopped making him smile. And they just let him dominate, which is his thing and giving him mvp back which made him a star in impact wrestling was the right decision here because man oh man did he look like a star in video game news there was a sony state of play which i had no idea about until maybe a couple days ago which is crazy the only thing that i really cared about in the state of play was some more information about Deathloop because that game looks like it's gonna change things up and i'm really excited about how it plays also, if you were super excited about Mario 3D All-Stars, you better get it now and play it for the little bit of time you have left because Mario 3D All-Stars is going away this month. For some reason, Nintendo decided, you know what would be cool? Games that were temporary. This kind of thing is why people are so nervous about losing physical media. That is your news and notes. Let's talk about WandaVision. Previously on WandaVision... This episode gives you all the delicious backstory that you need to understand what the hell's going on. Like, if you started watching this and you have no clue what's happening, you've never seen Age of Ultron, this definitely sorts it out for you. Speaking of Age of Ultron, Disney Plus will direct you to watch that after you watch every episode of WandaVision. It's like, look, you don't get what's going on? Please watch Age of Ultron. And I get it, it's not the best Avengers movie, but it has a very charismatic robot. Watch it for the charismatic robot and Wanda and you can probably just kind of skip past everything else, honestly. So the episode starts with the Salem Witch Trials, or you think that it's the Salem Witch Trials just because there's a woman tied to a stake, people in cloaks, and it's in Salem. There are witches, but they're all witches. Everybody in the club getting witchy. And we see the origins of Agatha Harkness. Wanda, the happiest times of her life, was watching sitcoms. The people that I know in my life that are like obsessed with sitcoms, this episode made me really kind of think, like, maybe I should call them. Are they all right? Because sometimes when we're down, we need uh, something silly and low stakes to kind of veg out to and kind of take our minds off our problems and kind of just float down bullshit nonsense valley which is a sitcom it's a sitcom is the empty calories of tv where you can just kind of chill and relax and watch it unless it's something like scrubs which usually kind of does a wave of sad and happy simply because of the state of it being in a hospital which is why it makes sense that wanda probably didn't watch that show but yeah agatha is too powerful for her coven and just kind of reverses all of their powers right back at them which is like ah Agatha's a mutant she's like yeah I'm a witch but I can't control how powerful I am and I'm like yeah because you're a mutant this is mutant shit happening right now and then you start to think did mutants exist all along just in the background and that they decided to not really use their powers very well or there was a theory way back that mutants exist 
in the background and that Professor X is making everybody think that mutants don't exist to protect them. And if this universe is the same universe that the newer Marvel movies exist in, that kind of makes sense that they're like, okay, let's not let people know that mutants are a thing. I can see after X-Men Apocalypse or whatever, perhaps after that movie, it was like really dangerous for hum for humans and mutants to coexist. Time to wipe everybody's fucking minds. They pretend that mutants don't exist and in, in actuality, all the mutants live on Genosha. And the only times they leave Genosha, which is kind of like a mutant haven in some points of the comics, and that there are still mutants being born, but as soon as they're born, Professor X is like, ah, 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 don't you fucking, don't you fucking start. Don't you fucking start. You are going to have powers. Yes, we're going to maybe make you think that it came from something else. All right, great, wonderful. But Agatha, because she's been around for so long and she's magical, is like, yeah, but I don't want to deal with that. So I'm not gonna. That's just my prediction already. Just the episode just started. And I'm already coming up with theories and shit. I'm like, okay, this is what happened with this. And I pull out the fucking board, the cock board, and I'm like taking the red string and going, okay, so this happens here and this can happen here. Wanda's powers are being blocked by Agatha. Nope, you can't, you have no power over me here. I have runes in my basement. There's nothing you can do about it. And inside of this basement, when a witch, when there's another witch's runes on the wall, another witch's powers won't work. So it's like, okay, Wanda is in fact a witch. But like I said, maybe that's another word for mutant. Magic does exist in the Marvel Universe, though. I mean, Doctor Strange, right? A sorcerer and not necessarily a witch. This is not the therapy that Wanda needs to go back and relive all of the really traumatic moments of her life. Agatha's like, yeah, no, this is therapeutic. But it mostly it exists to show us, the audience, what the fuck happened up to now? It exists to also show Agatha, how the fuck did you get so powerful? How did you get powerful enough to do something as huge as this? You're just a witch and Professor X like limited our power uh, is what I'm imagining. We go back and see her as a kid and they get TV night where the dad brings home a bunch of like DVDs and he's like, look, we'll watch all these DVDs and I'll sell them tomorrow. The mom looks out the window and there's just like a war in the streets and they're just like, let's ignore that thing that's going on and watch sitcoms. And it seems like a way to ignore their problems was TV night. Because it was the one night of the week, it seems, that they were able to kind of just be a family. They're even practicing their English, which I thought was really cute. I mean, in order to understand what's going on in these shows, right, you have to understand the language. There's a lot of DVDs that will give you a change of language, but I've never seen Sokovian on any of my uh, DVD options. Maybe it's just a thing where like, but I guess they're using the TV shows to teach their children English. Let's face it, if you're bilingual, you have more work opportunities in general. Like right now, I only speak English. Um, I live in Canada now, so it'd be really advantageous for me to learn French. The house is blown up, her parents killed instantly, and we see the Stark bomb that they get to stare at. Like, remember, she's just learning English and she has to stare at the word Stark industry for two fucking days. So as soon as she meets Tony Stark or hears about Tony Stark, she wants him dead. It's his fault in her mind that her parents died. And I mean, technically it is. If if people weren't buying Stark weapons, they probably would have had a better chance of survival if it wasn't like a high-tech Stark bomb that blew up their house and was instead like, I don't know, a pipe bomb or something, some, some other such business. She said the bomb was a dud and malfunctioned, but Agatha's like, you used your powers to, to deactivate that bomb, which makes me think, oh man, Wanda's a mutant. Because this is about the age you kind of awaken to your mutant powers. Because we don't see Quicksilver being all speedy and shit. We just see him being loud. Then we go to another part where she volunteered to be part of Hydra to test to see if she could deal with uh, interacting with the Mind Stone. She did, 
and was able to she saw a vision of herself in the future as Scarlet Witch with the with the headdress on and the long cloak and I'm just like yes or the cape it could be a cape and I just yes out loud really loud and then it exploded and also she kind of was like wow this is actually really pretty and it's like okay you kind of start to see where she starts to fall in love with Vision Vision because he has the mind stone in his head probably feels familiar like that warm glow of that magic that touched her once upon a time. And then that magic is a different kind of magic when it turns to love. And we get to see that situation when they get to meet and she's watching TV to deal with the grief of her brother being like shot. She doesn't really get to mourn for her brother. She doesn't get to mourn for anybody. She kind of just has to accept that, you know, people die and there's nothing she can do about it. So when you find that Vision dies, everybody in her life is dead and has died in front of her. So yeah, I would also be suffering a little tiny bit of grief here, especially somebody as powerful as Wanda. This doesn't just put somebody through grief just for the sake of it. It The grief tells a story and the grief turns into something more. Because sometimes I'll watch a show where they'll punish people for the sake of punishing them. And it's like, why am I watching this? That happened in The Walking Dead where our survivors like just suffer and suffer and suffer. And you're like, what is the point? When are they? When are things going to turn around from them? And it kind of started to feel like that with in Game of Thrones as well. Like, God damn, why do they exist just to suffer? And good things ended up happening to these people in the end. And Wanda suffered and suffered and suffered, but it led to something. It it wasn't just needless suffer porn. And then I was wondering to myself, can they see this on TV? But no, because Wanda's powers are kind of she's unable to use her powers down here i don't think anybody can see this on tv and besides i don't think anybody's watching the television monitors anymore that part of the military's plan is out the window wanda and vision have a touching moment where they're watching tv and talking about loss then we see when she actually goes to get vision's body to to bury him and we're led to believe she broke into the place and stole his body no not right What actually happened was she went to go see him and the director gave me Mephisto vibes because he's like, oh, you're the only person that could bring him back online. I mean, bring him back to life. And I was like, hmm, suspicious. But the only reason he said that is because Wanda didn't take his body or use him as a weapon. He was using those kind of justifications in a reversed agent, in a reverse agent Coulson is dead type of way to use Wanda to revive the vision so they can have their own weapon. This dude is also like, look, we can't just give you this much vibranium that's ridiculous and bury it get out of here you can go say bye to him and she went down to and touched him and realized he's not there anymore he's gone and where is he though he's inside of her which is why she was able to create him she created a actual working vision he's made from the juice from the mind stone the only thing that this vision doesn't have is a body because we were thinking oh corpse husband she's corpse she's puppeting his corpse no She's not. That's not actually... It, that's just energy. We see in the mid credit scene that the his body's actually been contained by the soldier boy who infuses it with a little Wanda juice that they steal. And Vision wakes up. This is a bad idea. Uh, I think this Vision's gonna wreck shit. Like, he's gonna wreck shop and destroy all the military bullshit. Because I don't think you revive the Vision with the Mind Stone and he's gonna be a mindless, you know, easy-to-control machine. Uh, Also, in the comic books, the Infinity Stones have minds of their own now and go where they want to go. So when the Mind Stone warped out of Loki's pokey stick and floated through the air and went to Wanda, those vibes came to me real hard that the 
stones have a mind of their own and do what they want. The scene where they're ripping apart Vision and she has to watch, damn, I can see why this entire, like her entire life is just trauma. Man, Agatha forced her to relive it. Like for some people, that kind of therapy is helpful, but probably not for Wanda. We see her also when she actually makes WandaVision, which is one of the most heartbreaking scenes that I've seen in a long time especially in like a Marvel property. None of the Marvel deaths, except for maybe um, Spider-Man turning into dust, tugged on my heart this much. We get a new clapping gif, but her clap was kind of sarcastic. So we're gonna get a nice new sarcastic gif to come out and get your memes. Which at the end, she's like, you're the Scarlet Witch. And I was like, roll credits. And then the credits rolled. And I was like, what, really? That really happened? Good job, good work. I'm very happy that that occurred. WandaVision decided to fucking hurt my heart and shit. But that's it, that's WandaVision. We're going to mix it up and talk about two episodes of Attack on Titan. One is called Midnight Train and the other one is called The Door of Hope. In Midnight Train, it's one of those episodes that they do a lot of talking and there's not a lot of action, but there's so many bombs being dropped that it doesn't feel like a waste of time. That was the biggest problem with season two, I believe, of Attack on Titan was that a lot of it just dragged. The dialogue wasn't very interesting and they just, whoever was converting this from manga to show really did a poor job of translating it. I think one of the biggest problems is they were stalling for the manga, which if you have to do that, simply cut the amount of episodes in that season, bro. I'm totally okay with a 12 episode season instead of like a 24 episode season, if you are able to utilize that time correctly. Cause man, I don't like sitting here, sitting around feeling like I'm wasting my time, even though they're telling me important information. Like they're like, okay, here's some military strategy. And the military strategy is really easy to understand because they have these cute little, 3d models that they show you and it's really interesting especially when they have a titan like the reese titan that's just kind of dragging its dumb face along the ground he looks like a turkey in those 3d things so it's like oh man look at that little guy look at him go but when you have to then explain the plan like three or four times it starts to get a little stale or characters don't talk to each other and they yell at each other to talk to each other for like 10 minutes and you're like oh my god but this season this episode is nicely paced and there's bombs being dropped left and right. And they drop a bomb at the very beginning. Like, Zeke, the Beast Titan, is Aaron's brother. Holy shit. And we do remember that th this kid is a traitor to his people. We also notice that Zeke is able to sit with the higher-ups and talk military strategy. Being one of these guys, being uh, having Titan blood must suck. You treat it like shit. You live in a shitty ghetto. And I get it. This is supposed to be, you know, hey, World War Two again. But I noticed Full Metal Alchemist is also the same kind of, we're in like a pre-war Germany. World War Two eventually happens. Complete with, in the case of Full Metal Alchemist, blonde, blue-eyed people having a big fucking massacre and then putting people that they blame for their problems in ghettos. <laughs> like everything in behind the walls looks like pre-war Germany. And everything in this place looks like World War II Germany, where, again, they said, hey, you know what? We don't like these people. They're undesirable. Let's use them as weapons. And let's not care if they live or die. That's why they were going, you're suicide bombers. I don't mind losing 800 of you to a plan. And why they dropped those Titans on their fucking heads as missiles. It's because they don't care. But you become an honorary Marleyan when you join the military and become one of these soldiers. It doesn't fucking matter. You could do more things, but you still get treated like shit. Reiner, though, he was like, oh my god, my dad is is a Marleyan, I'm half Marleyan, this is awesome. And all I have to do is become honorary one in order to get my dad's affection and approval. And his dad was like, listen, bro, that was just me fucking around. You ain't gonna ruin my life, I'm going out for smokes. And then he fucking left, and Reiner's like, that's fine, I don't need a dad, I have the armor titan. And then, like, 
the original guy that had the, the jaw titan was like, actually, I threw my brother under the bus so you can get that. And he was like, oh, geez, I don't got nothing. And then they ate the jaw titan. And he's like, yo, I don't even have anybody that believes in me anymore. This fucking sucks. Annie hates me. She beats my ass. You know what? I'm going to work really hard in, to, to make up for the mistakes that I did. But we see later when they're talking on top of the roof, they can't even be on top of the roof alone without Marlene showing up and asking them, questions are going i heard what you were talking about you need to fill me in right now on everything you're doing and the titan bloody people i can't remember their names right now because i want to call them amestrians but that's from fulfillment alchemist and i'm like no that's not them the fact that they don't get any privacy and they have to lick the boots of the marlians then this guy pork starts talking and i'm like yo this dude's voice sounds so familiar he kind of sounds like if steve bloom gargled with salt water and so i had to look it up so i looked him up and it was like oh that's what it is he's chisaki from my hero academia who also has a really smooth voice. See, I was singing Pork's praises when I saw him on the battlefield, just running around with the bite-sized Titan, doing the damn thing. But I didn't know he ate Ymir. Ymir was family. We loved her, and you fucking ate her, you assholes. She actually decided, I want to give this power up. So she knew what she was getting into when she decided to be eaten. I, I remember saying, he's a similar squat size, like the uh, bite-sized Titan. He is the bite-sized Titan. Which explains why Ymir was, had those really fucking powerful teeth. There was a kid in this show, one of the people that's selected to maybe take over a Titan, who has the jerkiest animation I've ever seen. It's just him. I was saying, man, they, he has like that shark animation where a person just kind of opens their mouth and goes ba 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 ba. But this guy, everything, every time he moved it was weird. And I think they animate him weird on purpose to kind of give him a, a weirdness to him. It's unsettling as fuck, but it gets the point across, I guess. The bumper for this episode was like armbands. And I was like, yikes. It's like, oh, it's a show that they're a shitty lower race than us. They have to always wear their fucking armbands when they go outside. And I'm like, oh, I don't like this at all. And it's like the military ones wear red armbands. And I was like, oh, no. Like, it's like, damn, I knew it was World War II and you already had them in a ghetto. And I saw them wearing armbands last season. It gets worse. So after they all get back from the military, there's a bunch of guys lined up who have trauma, who have PTSD. And the asshole that's in charge of them, who's a Marleyan, makes fun of them and kind of scares the shit out of them. And I'm like, what a dirtbag. The kid, Falco, I think is his name, that wants to inherit the armor because he doesn't want Reiner's cousin to do it. I have a theory about the armored titan and stuff like that and who gets to inherit the titans. I think that they're predetermined. Reiner's cousin mentions like, it doesn't matter what kind of grades you have that determines whether or not you get the titans. I'm assuming it's about their personalities. Like they train them from when they're really young and they get to see them up close and go, okay, this kid is the tallest. Let's give him the Colossal Titan. And I think that once you get the Titan's like ability, that makes you more like the Titan. So, okay, for instance, Reiner is a strong guy. So they said, okay, he's the strongest guy left. Let's give him the Armor Titan. Okay, great. He gets the Armor Titan. And because he has the Armor Titan, he gets like, ridiculously strong it just enhances his natural capabilities to be strong uh because we had aaron having he had a flashback to aaron who's like why can't i be strong like you and he's like well my and i'm sure reiner's probably thinking my strength is supernatural bro it's uh i was the strongest child and then they decided to make me super strong but it just helps if you're already strong before they give you the titan so for instance We'll see if I'm correct later on down the line. The Titans, the people who can turn into Titans, all have a meeting. And you know something's up because the Zeke starts the meeting by going, they're not here in this room. It seems like their commander kind of has a soft spot for them because he actually spends time with them and realizes that they're people. But he also doesn't really care about the rest of them. Just the Titan Corps because war is awesome. And it's like, okay, you guys just won the war. What are you doing? 
Oh, taking over the world probably. Gotcha. War is like potato chips. You can't just have one. We learn about the Titans and how they're ch and who gets chosen to be what Titans and what powers that they have. And we learn that the long-faced Titan that I was like, oh, it's a horse. It's called the Cart Titan, which is they made the Cart Titan a little uh, a tank, which was super badass. But the Cart Titan doesn't have any of that stuff. Then when they send her across the wall, that's a lot of shit you have to carry and get in there. And I'm sure it's Titan size. This seems to be like a covert mission. We get to see the worst day of Aaron's life from their perspective. It's cool to see the same thing happen in a different way. That's one of my biggest things is I, I really enjoy seeing what ifs of what happened if somebody turned left instead of right. You're the hero in your story. And we get to see that from Reiner's perspective of like, I just want to do something good. And if you watched Attack on Titan from the perspective of Reiner, would your attitude about the people behind the wall change? Probably. But then you'd also see them slaughtering children uh, and then go... Maybe, maybe we're the baddies. He decides we need to stay here and right my wrong. And they were like, no, bitch, it's your wrong. We're not writing shit. I want to actually be able to change something with my life because my daddy doesn't love me. And, and he's probably thinking, well, mine does. I'm going back. And so they stay instead and do a deep infiltration to figure out what's going on and to, to wipe them out from the inside. Considering what their mission was, their ability to ad-lib the rest of the mission was pretty dope. And it helps that they learn military strategy from the enemy that they were gonna go against. Annie talks like, I don't wanna hurt my friends. And Reiner's like, these aren't your friends. That's why Annie spared Armin when she, she lifted his hood. She considers him a friend. She doesn't wanna hurt him, so she doesn't. Annie is still best girl, 100%. People were saying that it was Krista, and I was like, yo, Krista is best queen, I get it. But best girl, gotta go to Annie, who's still frozen and encased in a crystal. So she's taken out of the action, but she's still alive at least. And the episode ends with Falco having a conversation with Norman Reedus about how shitty war is. And uh, look, I don't want to go back, so I'm going to pretend that I'm not fit for duty. The thing that kind of bothers me is like, oh man, how long do you get to stay in this mental hospital without changing before... The Marlians go, you know what, we're just going to kill these guys because they're not a benefit to anyone. It may be a risky situation just because this is based on World War II. I'm just real nervous. This last season has got me hooked. It's been a while since I've seen an anime that made me want to watch another episode and another episode and another episode. I think Fruits Basket is the only other anime that's done that for me this year where I just want to keep consuming. And I'm thinking, no, I think Demon Slayer was another one where I was like, man, I want to watch another episode, but there is another episode out yet, you know, kind of thing. And me going, yes, it's Saturday, fucking adult swim time, time to watch another episode of, of Demon Slayer. And I always really love the whole, this anime is, is released once a week, so you have to kind of wait and see it with everybody. Oh, that's so good, which is why I'm desperately trying to catch up to Attack on Titan. But that's it for Attack on Titan. Um, I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the, the first episode is called The Midnight Train, which is a song by Gladys Knight and the Pips, The Midnight Train to Georgia. And I'm not sure if that's what they mean, or they actually took a Midnight Train in the, in the thing, but I think it's called that because of the idea of the song of Midnight Train is a person who went to Hollywood, failed, and decided, I'm going to go back home where, it's, where everything is normal and everything is easier. And that's what they do. But a lot of people don't seem to enjoy being back after they got on that Midnight Train. They seem to be restless and they want to do something. Door of Hope, I think that's, I think the Door of Hope is the hole that Reiner makes when he runs through the wall. It's a Door of Hope for their mission. But that's it. That's uh, Attack on Titan. And that's it for Popyak. If you want more Popyak, definitely subscribe and uh, share the podcast with your friends, with your parents, with their parents. Just, you know, show grandma how to use the podcast machine to download it wherever you find your podcast. And thanks for hanging out.